Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. All right, all right. Well, once again, Soul City Church, good morning. Good morning, 1030 service. Good morning. It, it is good to be with you all. Uh, my name's John. If, uh, if we haven't had the chance maybe to meet yet, I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to welcome all of you who braved the snow and the cold to make it here in the flesh, in person, in this room. A special welcome to those of you who are worshiping with us online as well. Uh, something I have found to be true over the last six years of being a part of this church is that every single time this community gathers together, something special happens. Um, Something special happens, and that is in part due to the special nature of the people of Soul City, and that is in large part due to the extra special and extraordinary nature of our God. And so it's it's always a privilege when, when I get to be here, especially when I get these opportunities to sit with you all and and talk about some of the things of God. So I'm grateful to be here. Uh, if you've been here over the last couple weeks, you know that over the first part of this calendar year, we've been walking through what will prove to be an extended teaching series that we're calling This Transforming Life. And this series is really just about how all of us can experience all that God has for us. And really, we're going to dive deep over the course of the next few months into what that mission that Jeannie just talked about, leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus, what does a transforming relationship with Jesus actually really look like? What does it actually really take in our day-to-day lives? That's what this series is all about. And over the course of these first few weeks of the series, we have been talking about how transformation works and what transformation looks like specifically here at Soul City through walking you through a little new initiative that we are rolling out as a church that I have been affectionately referring to as the three T's of transformation. If you've been here the last couple weeks, you've heard them. You've heard them. They are uh, serve on a team to grow on the track and connect at a table. These are just three really practical steps that we are inviting and encouraging everyone in our church to take over the course of this year. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you know Pastor Jarrett has done some teaching on the importance of serving and being a part of a team. Last week, we talked about the importance of spiritual growth and how that actually works. And today, if you didn't guess by the very small and very subtle visual metaphor with me on stage, today we are gonna talk about connecting at a table. And as I've been preparing for this sermon today, I've been reflecting and I've kind of been surprised to discover what a a central role tables have played through pretty much my entire life. Like even all the way back to my elementary school days at the cafeteria table. Do y'all remember these? Anyone sit at one of these students? You're triggered right now? You're like, I thought it was a Sunday school. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is a table of great pleasure or great pain, depending on who you were and what the food in your cafeteria was like. There's no greater anxiety for a nine-year-old child than will they let me sit at their table during lunch? You know, no greater anxiety. Uh, Another table that was really formative for me in my youth was the Culver's table. Uh, If you didn't know that I grew up as a Midwest suburban kid, now you definitely do. 
but I also grew up as a theater kid, which meant, number one, I was really, really cool. Um, and number two, it also meant that a after rehearsals or after shows, we would have a tradition where all of us would go to Culver's, super fancy, and we would squeeze way too many kids into a booth, and I would squeeze way too many cheese curds into my body. But I have so many memories of me and my friends laughing and singing and being way too loud at, at many a Culver's establishment across the greater Chicagoland area. I also think about the significant impact that tables have had on certain significant relationships in my life. Uh, this is a picture of a cafe on the college campus where I went to school, and it was in this cafe at one of those tables that me and a classmate met every Wednesday for dinner throughout our entire college careers. And it, this was significant for me because this was the first time in my life that I can remember inviting another person to sit down and have an intentional meal with me on a consistent basis. And so every Wednesday, over undercooked panini sandwiches, we would sit there and we would talk about the difficulties of school. We processed breakups together. We talked about our hopes and dreams for the future. We did it every single Wednesday for three years until we both graduated. And that friend eventually became the best man at my wedding and is still one of my closest friends to this day. Or I think about the table in Jarrett and Jeannie Stevens' living room. This is a table where I have been consistently invited over the last five years or so to share meals, to celebrate holidays, to dream up creative projects. This is the place where a few years ago we sat as we discussed and we prayed and we discerned what it might look like for me to take on a full-time pastoral role here at the church. The, the job that I do day in and day out, it started at that table. And whenever I find myself needing wisdom, there is a table that I inevitably end up at. Or I think about this last year, um, when one of my closest friends from high school unexpectedly died of a stroke. And his memorial was really, really beautiful. But the most meaningful part of that grieving process for me was after the memorial, when me and some friends went to a restaurant, and for three hours... We talked, we told stories, we laughed, we cried, we shared memories of our friend all around a table. And as I think about that and as I reflect, I start to realize that the table was not just the place where I was fed growing up, but in a way the table is the place where I was formed as a person. And I'm sure you can think about your own life and your own story. You can think about all the things that have shaped you. You can think about all the relationships that God has used to form you into the person you are today. I'm willing to bet that most of them took place, at least in part, around some sort of table. Whether it was a dining room table, a restaurant table, a kitchen counter, a coffee table, it might have been two boxes and a board in someone's basement. I don't know what it was. Maybe there wasn't even a physical table present. But, but there were people gathered together for the sake of connection, and my guess is your life was enriched by it. Your life was formed and shaped by that practice. This is something that is actually foundational, not just to our American or Western culture. I think this is something that's foundational to human nature. Perhaps one of the things that we missed most during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic was our ability to do this to get around a table with our friends or with our family and laugh and cry and connect and share really good food. Listen, I'm a part of the millennial generation. The one thing 
that millennials care most about in the world, other than ourselves, <laughs> is brunch. Listen, we love our tables, especially when they come with mimosas and a side of pancakes, okay? Now, you all already know this, though, because this is your reality. My guess is you probably sat at some kind of table this week, maybe even multiple. You already know this, but I guess the question that I really want to ask today is, is what is any of this have to do with faith? Because I imagine that you are probably at church because to some degree you want to grow spiritually. Like you, like me, you want to learn more about God. You want to experience more of God in your life. You're probably at church because it's in some area of your life you're hungry for a change or for growth. And so what could our affinity for fine dining or dive bars or charcuterie boards, like what could any of that have to do with a spiritual journey. Really, the question I want us to wrestle with for just a few moments is what does a table have to do with transformation? What does a table have to do with our walk with God? And I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but I would say it has a lot to do with it. In fact, I would actually argue, and I'm about to, it has everything to do with it. And to see what I'm talking about, we are going to examine the life of Jesus together today. So this is the time where you're going to look under the seat in front of you and you are going to grab a Bible. So go ahead and do that. If you're worshiping online, grab your own Bible, open up a tab, whatever Bible you might use. And we're going to do something a little bit different today, and I'm excited about it. Uh, so here's how we're going to do this. Uh, if you are seated on this side of the room, my left, so if you're in this section, or if you're on this side, the left side, stage left side of the auditorium, you all are going to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, which is on page 834. If you're in the center section, or if you're worshiping with us online, students up there, all of you, you are going to turn to Mark chapter 2, which is on page 813. And then over here, my right side family, up here in the balcony, down here on this right side section, you all are going to turn to Matthew chapter 26. That is on page 808 in the Soul City Bible. So all three of these passages are passages that we're going to walk through and we're going to look at together today. You're not just going to walk through your section. We're all going to walk through all three of them. And all three of these passages are pulled from different gospel accounts. And if you're unfamiliar, the gospels in the Bible are essentially biographies of the life of Jesus. So we're going to examine all three of these stories today. And I just want you to keep your eyes open for some common themes and threads that pop up between the three of them. Sound good? All right, let's dive in. So Luke chapter four, I'm gonna start reading in verse 38, actually. Verse 38 says this. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering with a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Got it? Okay, that's story number one. Center section, you ready? Great, let's do this. We're gonna turn, we're in Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two, I'm gonna start reading in verse 15. It says this. While Jesus was having what? While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his, disciple, and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him, Jesus, eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, 
It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Story number two. All right, right side family. Here we go. Story number three, Matthew 26. I'm going to start reading in verse 26. It says this. While they were what? While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so we have these three separate stories. All of them are from the life and ministry of Jesus. In one story, in Luke, we have this story of a miraculous healing with Simon's mother-in-law who had a high fever. And you should know that in ancient times before modern medicine, a high fever was extremely dangerous. She ran the risk of dying. This is a miraculous healing. Then in Mark 2, we have a story of Jesus teaching in a powerful and prophetic way. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Jesus is dropping more wisdom in one sentence than I will in this entire sermon, believe me. And then we have that third story from Matthew 26, story of Jesus with his disciples walking them through a spiritual practice that we have come to call communion. This is a practice that is meant to be a reminder of God's presence in their lives, that God is ever present, that God is with them. So these are three separate stories, but what are some of the common themes? What are some of the common threads? Obviously, they are all from the life of Jesus, but also in all three stories, Jesus is doing meaningful ministry, isn't he? In all three of these stories, people's lives are being transformed by that ministry. People are being healed. People are learning who God is and how God works. People are encountering the presence of God through spiritual practice. And in all three of these stories, they take place, all of them, at the table. In Luke chapter 4, After Simon's mother-in-law is healed, she begins to serve them a meal at the table. Mark chapter 2, the instigation for the entire teaching is that the Pharisees are offended by who is seated at the table. Matthew 26, the whole reason that there is bread and a cup in communion, it's because the first communion happened at a table. Now, I do want to say one thing to you. Don't you think that I, like, had to search really hard and cherry pick these verses out of context in order to make them work for this sermon. In fact, what I did over the last several weeks is I walked through all four of the gospel accounts and I started to write down every single time Jesus is at a table with people or sharing a meal with others. Every single time he did this, do you want to see the list? Here it is. That is significant. That is just as many passages as Jesus' teaching. That is more passages than Jesus' healing. That is a significant number of passages. And I don't think, I don't know about you, but I don't think that the gospel authors decided to include that many passages of Jesus being at a table simply because our boy got hungry. Like, it wasn't just because Jesus had an appetite, you know? 
And I know this because if you were to go through and read all of those stories, you would see that all of those tables and all of those stories had something in common with the stories that we just read, in that at those tables, God was moving as well. At every single one of those tables, transformation was happening. At every single one of those tables, it wasn't just meals being shared, it was lives being shared and lives being changed. At every single one. You see, it seems pretty clear to me that for Jesus, a table was not just a table. Like a table wasn't just a place to come and sit and talk small talk and eat and steal glances at your phone. But Jesus clearly saw the table as a stage on which transformation and life change and the power and presence of God works itself out in people's lives. And really what I have to say this morning is actually very, very simple. I just wonder what might change if we started looking at the tables we sit at in the same way. Like what might change if we started to view tables the way that Jesus did, because as we already talked about, this is something that a lot of us are already in the practice of doing. Getting together with people for a meal, getting together with people for drinks, inviting people over to your house for dinner. This is something that all of us, kind of, a lot of us at least, naturally do in our culture, especially in a city like the one that we live in. This is something we naturally do, but something Jesus saw something Jesus understood and something I desperately hope we can understand is that while tables are a natural practice, they also are packed with supernatural potential. Like tables are a natural practice for some of us, but they have supernatural potential when we open our eyes and we open our hands and we say, God, I want you to have a seat at this table. I want you to be here and I want you to pour your power out over it. I just, I just wonder, what if you started looking at the tables in your lives as a spiritual practice rather than just an engagement on your calendar? What if every lunch was not just an opportunity to connect with others, but an opportunity to connect with God and for you to help others connect with God? Think about your weekend night out with your friends, your holiday meals with your family, Lunches with your coworkers. I wonder if these are things that are not meant to be done apart from God as much as these are parts of our lives that God wants to be a part of. That God actually wants to pour out his power into. I wonder if tables might be for some of us our greatest vehicles for being transformed and for transforming this world. And let me be really clear about something because I, I, hear, I hear your thoughts a little bit. I'm not being the pastor who is gonna suggest that from here on out, at every single table you sit at, every conversation can only ever and always be about Jesus. In fact, please don't be one of those people. <laughs> I'm not saying that every meal has to turn into a Bible study as much as maybe I would like for it to. Because rest assured, wherever life-giving connection is happening between people, Jesus is already working, whether we can see it and perceive it or not. Wherever joy and laughter is being shared between friends, Jesus is already at work. Wherever words of comfort or encouragement or hope are being given, Jesus is already working and lives are already being transformed. I think we have to stop limiting the work of Jesus to a church building. Because as we just saw, for the last 2,000 years or so, Jesus has already been doing some of his best work at tables, in homes, outside of the walls, and into where people actually spend the majority of their lives around something like this. And our invitation, I think, is merely to partner with God in that. 
to take something that many of us naturally do and open ourselves up to the possibility that that might be a place that God wants to be at as well. That that might be an arena in which God wants to work as well. And I do want to say one one final little thing on this because I also recognize that for some of us in this room, for some of us online perhaps especially, this idea of getting around a table or this idea of connecting with others actually feels anything but natural. Maybe because of certain circumstances in your life, whether they be communal, familial, even financial, sometimes can feel like a barrier to this sort of thing. And you look at your life over the last couple years and maybe there's actually been a real lack of this. There's been a lack of connection. There's been a lack of relationship. There's been a lack of gathering. And, and I know that's true of some folks because I would say that's actually been true of me. I, I walked you through some of the tables that have formed me and shaped me, but as I look at my life over the last couple years, this is something that I have gotten out of rhythm with. Kind of lost my intention. And for me, it's, it's because a lot of the people who used to fill, this isn't my table, I stole this from the, the, prayer, the prayer healing garden, but, <laughs> but a lot of the people who used to sit around a table with me, a lot of them moved away in the last couple of years. Like a lot of them, they're, they're still in my life. They're still at my proverbial table, but not necessarily able to be at a physical one with me. And if I'm totally honest, I haven't really felt a lot of motivation to start new ones. But I didn't want this time to go by without saying to all of you, and especially to those of you who might be struggling with this right now, just because it doesn't feel like it's happening naturally doesn't mean that your soul doesn't need it. I need this. You need this. We all need this because God created us for connection. God does some of his best work in our lives when we are gathered and connected to others. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss some of God's best work in my life. I hope you're starting to see that this is actually something that can apply to any table you sit at, no matter where you are. You sit down and you simply ask yourself, God, would you pour your supernatural presence over this lunch, over this coffee, over this dinner, over this time gathered together. And for those who maybe are looking to get a little bit more intentional about this, we've put together a really practical next step for everyone at our church to take today, and it goes along with our three T's of inviting everyone to connect at a table. Our Soul City table signups are open right now. Now, for those maybe who haven't been around a while, uh, Soul City tables are a rebrand from what we used to call Soul City groups, or small groups, and part of that rebrand is not just a name, but what we really felt led to do in this new year was give a little bit more direction and intention toward this idea of gathering or being a part of a group. And so a Soul City table is a group of people who gather together once a week around a table to do all the things that we just talked about, to connect with one another, to connect with God in prayer, to laugh together, to grow together, to learn together, to walk through difficult times together, 
Remember earlier when I said not every table that you sit at has to explicitly be about Jesus? This is a great one that can explicitly be about Jesus. And so if you, in this season of life, you're just hungry for connection. You're hungry to to get around a table again with people and connect and grow. I I just want to invite you to scan the QR code that's going to be on the screen behind me. And you can sign up for a winter table. And I also want to say, I got a text right before I came up here. There are very, very limited spots left. What it takes for us to offer these tables is people to host them. Is people to raise their hand and say, yeah, I I, want to help people get in this practice that Jesus clearly saw as extremely important. And so I actually have uh, two invitations for you today. One would be to join a winter table. Another might be to start one. Might be for you in your home or at the coffee shop down the street or even right here at Soul City. You can host it here if you want. Our facilities team will work that out. Would be for you to start one. And if you're feeling led maybe to start one today, you can actually visit. There is a table out in the lobby, um, actually, where uh, Stephanie Miller, uh, one of our pastors here, she's there, and she would love to help you figure out what it looks like for you to start your own table here at Soul City. And then the the final thing that I want to invite us to do together, I, I actually think, I can't think of a better way, actually, to end this time than for all of us to come to the table together and receive communion. And so our host team, they're going to come now and they're going to begin passing the elements. And I do want to say, at this table, we have gluten-free bread. So everyone is welcome here. Everyone is welcome at this table. If you're worshiping with us online, uh, grab your own elements. Whatever you maybe have lying around the house, some bread, some crackers, whatever sort of juice you might have, we want you to be a part of this table. We want you to be a part of this practice as well. So just grab whatever you might have in your house. And you know, uh, earlier today, we were looking at the passage from the first communion, that, that passage in Matthew chapter 26 if you remember. And in that passage, on his final night, what would prove to be his final night with his disciples, Jesus sat around a table, not very much unlike this one, I'm sure. He sat around a table with them and he took bread and he took a cup of wine. And I'm struck by the reality that for Jesus's followers, for the people who were gathered around that table, These are two things that could not be more natural. These are two things that could not be more typical for them. Bread and wine was a part of their daily, everyday diet. It would not have been out of the ordinary for Jesus to grab bread, grab a cup, and start passing it around. This was natural. This was typical. But then Jesus did something unexpected. Lifted up the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body. This bread is my body. Then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. What Jesus was doing there is he was taking these natural elements and giving them supernatural significance. He was saying, this isn't just bread. This isn't just a cup. Let this be a reminder of God's presence in your life. Every time you eat of this, Every time you come to this table, let this natural practice be a reminder of God's supernatural love for you. 
Let this be a reminder of the sacrifice that was made, the price that was paid on the cross by Jesus so that you and I could be with God forever. Communion, not unlike the table, is a natural reminder of God's supernatural goodness. And so as the elements are still being passed, I'd love to invite you to stand if you're able. And we're going to pray together before we take the elements. If the elements are still being passed while we pray, might want to pray this one with the eyes open. <laughs> Head on a swivel, everyone. Heart focused on Jesus. But let's pray together. Father, we thank you. I'm struck yet again by the grace that it is that you are a God who meets us where we are. You're not a God who makes us jump through hoops or, or go to extravagant lengths in order to encounter you. But you actually meet us in the places oftentimes that we already spend most of our time. And God, I'm, uh, we're so sorry for how often we have sat at a table and not invited you to have a place there. God, we're so sorry for the times where we have missed the work that you're doing because we've been distracted by other things. And Father, I just pray right now that as we take communion together, that we would once again be reminded of the presence of God that is always with us at this communion table right now and at the brunch table we'll sit at in about 20 to 30 minutes, the dinner table we're going to sit at tonight, the conference table we'll sit at tomorrow, every single place is a place where your power and your presence can be experienced. Remind us of that daily. And so as a reminder of your supernatural coming and meeting us in the natural, we take the bread and we take the cup together now. And Father, I bless every single table that the people of Soul City will go and be at. And I stand in confidence blessing those tables because I know you already have. I know you are already there. God, in this drive-through world, let us be people of the table. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.